0: My name's Kim Clout. Pastor is, is spot on. I've had the wonderful privilege of coming here and ministering many times. I feel like this is my home in North Carolina. Uh, there were some people in first service, however, who had never heard me; that were new to me. Anybody here in second service? You've never heard me. Raise your hand so I can see. Okay, a number of you. Okay, great. Uh, my name's Kim Clout. A uh, little background on my life: I grew up in church. Uh, my dad was a preacher, preached sixty three years. Uh, my grandfather was a preacher, preached seventy eight years. Even though my parents were in ministry and my grandparents were in ministry, I was rebellious. Just full disclosure here. How many of you here were ever rebellious? And the rest of you are liars. Well, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Teach them. <his> <laughs> well, that was me. I was rebellious. But you know something? We sang a song that said, From my mother's womb. See, that's how God rolls. Say it. That's how He wrote. He knows this from a mother's womb. He knew you before your mother knew you were there. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you. And so when I finally gave my life to him, he revealed to me, bits at a time, the plan that he had for my life, which involved uh, holding the banner of Jesus high and taking it all over this country. This is now my 41st year of full-time ministry. So I'm a little over halfway to what my grandfather did. Uh, Praise God. And I'm just privileged to be here today. If you're not familiar with our ministry, there's four portions too. We have a Bible teaching ministry. Uh, We also have a music ministry. I'm going to play a little for you at the end. And then we have two outreaches. Uh, We believe Jesus meant what He said when He said go into all the world. Amen? Let me hear y'all say He meant what He said. I mean, there's many worlds in Raleigh. Can we agree on that? I mean, there's many worlds in your subdivision. Go into your subdivision and just pull the blinds down, look across the street and say, baby, that's another world over there. Uh, It is. But the Lord gave us an edict to go to the world of the first Americans. We've endeavored now for 31 years to reach the Native American people of this country from the Seminole in Florida to the Choctaw, Mississippi, the Cherokee both in North Carolina and in Oklahoma, out on the Four Corners area of Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, Colorado, the Navajo, the Pima, the Zuni, both the Chiricahua and Mescalero Apache, up in the plains of the Dakotas where I was born. Up in Montana and Wyoming, we go to the Sioux, the Assiniboine, the Crow, the Cheyenne, and the Urikaraw. And to all of them, we take the good news of the Gospel. How many of you know it doesn't matter how deep the pit your life may be in, His love goes deeper still. And although the number one cause of death among Native American people is alcoholism, the Pine Ridge Reservation, uh, poorest county in the United States. Brother, I, I found this out just in the last month. In 2019... As of July, they had averaged seven suicide attempts per week. Had that happened anywhere else in America, Fox News, NBC, CBS, CNN would be broadcasting live from there. It would have been all over. You would have seen the faces of the people. I suspect, however, you never heard about it. Because incredibly, 240 years, it seems to t- still be true that if native people are out of sight, they're out of mind. But the fact remains, this is their land that we all share. God put them here. They are the true indigenous people of this nation. And it is not only their land, but how many of you, know? many of you not only have their land, you got their blood. How many of you have native ancestry? Raise your hand, good, high. High. Everybody look around. Look how many of them? And how many of you see it's virtually all the good-looking people? <laughs> my dad's native. My mom's German, y'all. Y'all looking at me like, he's native? My mom's skin's so white that it's only white if she has a tan. Otherwise, she's completely clear. Uh, so uh, that's my story. Uh, our ministry is not only to reach native people. We believe Jesus died for everybody. So by deductive reasoning, if he died for Indians, I figure he had to die for cowboys too. Any cowboys here? Thank you, sir. I see that hand. You have got your boots on, brother? Every time I'm here, I ask her, where's my cowboy? Where's my boots? <laughs> Them look good too, brother. I like those. Uh, well, we have an outreach also to people who love horses, which is what a cowboy is. And my wife uses her horses in ministry. She has what she calls her dream team. Samson in Montana. Two purebred, beautiful quarter horses that she uses to teach the Bible. She sings, preaches, does entire services. I'm talking about literally sitting on her horse. And the Lord uses her. She has an outreach using the internet. She does a newsletter that goes out twice a month. It's totally free. She teaches you the Bible using the horse as the idiom. In other words, the object lesson is the horse, which may seem a little bizarre to you unless you happen to have read the Bible. How many of you know the Bible mentions the horse more than any other animal? Stroke your beard. Go ahead, ladies. Do it by faith. Stroke your beard. Some of these men are. Just do it by faith. Stroke your beard. Yeah, the horse is mentioned in How many of you know this? Jesus is coming back on one. How many of you are like horses now? So even if you've never thought of yourself as a horse lover, she has a wonderful gift of teaching you the Bible using the horse. You can get her newsletter too. It's totally free. Back on that little table, there's a notebook. Put your email address on there and you'll start getting it. I'm using the word promise here. I promise It'll be a blessing to you. Got a good word for you today. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I believe this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Here's what I want to talk about. Shortly after I got born again, I started realizing there were certain Scriptures I needed to commit to memory because the principle they were teaching me was so foundational to my life, I needed to have an immediate recall. It needed to be a default position that my mind went to, that God so loved the world, that He sent His Son into the world, that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. The, the, The Scripture says that if any man be in Christ, behold, he's a new creation. I'm just telling you, some of these Scriptures... John 3.16, 2 Corinthians 5.17. One of those, for me, was John 10 and 10. John, the 10th chapter, the 10th verse says, The thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. Everybody say life. Everybody shout it. Say life. life. He said, I've come that you might have life, and life more abundantly, or life to the full. Now, how many of you here have memorized that? Raise your hand if you have. If you haven't, go ahead and raise your hand by faith now, because you need to. This wonderful verse is when Jesus spoke, one of the things He did here was drew a distinctive line to help you and I identify that which is of the devil and that which is of God. Right? How many of you know many people confuse the two? Many people think that killing and stealing and destruction comes from God. But Jesus said, let me hear y'all say Jesus said, Jesus broke it down for us and said, here's the deal, so that you will know it's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have what? Shout it. He said, I've come that you might have life. Notice he didn't say after life there's a period, there's a comma. In other words, he paused for emphasis and said, I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest. Life more abundantly. I told him in first service, I'm telling you, that's why you're here. I may not know your name, I may not know your story, I know this about you. You've come here to victory because you're looking for life to the full. You're looking for more than what you found out there. I grew up in the 60's and they were talking about life. They were talking about party, and They were talking about being free. Man, everybody wanted to be free in the 60's. The Woodstock Festival. How many of y'all remember the Woodstock Festival? Well, that's because you weren't there. The people who actually remember the Woodstock Festival were seven hundred miles away. Anybody there? Don't even know what happened. Got up each morning and said, "Whose pants are these?" <laughs> Looked at the person next to him and said the three words they never thought they'd say, "And you are." That was the Woodstock Festival. Can anybody tell me trivia? Who was the first performer at the Woodstock Festival? Theme from Jeopardy. Anybody know? He wasn't supposed to be first, but he was there. It was that simple. There was so much traffic. The interstate was shut down. People were parking their cars and just walking. Even the artists who were to perform couldn't get there. And so a guy named Richie Havens was the first one to go on. He wasn't supposed to be first. He was there. And they were like, Richie Young, go. Yeah, but I mean, go. And he went out there and he did his whole set. And he said he kept looking off stage and they were going, Stretch it. Because the second group wasn't there. He said, I played every song I knew and then I started making them up. He did. And he made up a song that he sang for about 20 minutes till every string on his guitar broke and he turned it over and just scratched the wood. You might know what the name of that song was. Freedom. Here was a man singing about freedom to 350,000 people who were there for freedom and all of them in bondage. It was 50 years ago, a couple months ago, and this country still makes that an iconic celebration. Let me tell you something. If you're here looking for freedom, if you're here looking for life, you're in the right place. Because Jesus came that you might have life, and not just life, but life to the abundant. Amen? But how many of you know when he said this, it wasn't a tweet? He didn't just say this and sit down. He didn't speak one sentence, today Jesus of Nazareth tweeted that He's come that you might have life and life more abundantly. No. How many of you know this was one sentence out of an entire message? And the only way this means something to you is if you know what He said before it and what He said after it. Agreed? Let me hear you say, you got a point there. I got a point there. So here's the deal. I want to give you an illustration of why it's so important to know what He said before and after because here's what I submit to you. Just because you're born again does not guarantee the more abundant life. Now, that is why Jesus came. But just because you're born again, that doesn't guarantee you the more abundant life. Now, I noticed a bunch of y'all go, oh, that's true. But I noticed some of you had your poker face on. And you're kind of looking around. Is that what we believe here? How did Pastor Mitch handle that? Well, it's true. And I'm going to show you that it's true by using an experience out of your own life. How many of you know somebody, somebody, who was lost, didn't know Jesus, then they got born again and they were sincere, it was real, but they never really got plugged into the church, they never really submitted their life to the Word, and now, sometime later, they're back maybe even worse than they were before. If you've ever seen that happen, raise your hand. Everybody look around the room. Almost everybody in here has got their hand up, so I rest my case. It's true. They were real that was sincere, and yet they're not experiencing the more abundant life. So simply being born again is not enough. And I'll tell you why. Because the born again experience that he's speaking of here, the more abundant life, is tied to what he spoke about in the nine sentences before this and the sentences he spoke after it. Say context. So we're going to have context. Let's go to verse 1 of John chapter 10. The first thing Jesus said was, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Who's he talking to? And what's the first two words he said? What does that mean? He means for real. I like that. For real. Man, that means for real. It means he ain't lying. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you have ever had your parents ask you a question? They're laughing already, y'all. And you know that what you said wasn't true. How many of you here, your parents can tell when you're lying? Particularly your mother. Particularly your mother. But you went on with it. You floated it out there and said, well, let's just see. There's a chance. I pulled that too. But isn't it something that you got Jesus who said, I am the truth. He is the truth. And yet, He's looking at these people saying, I'm not lying. How many of you know He's the only man that ever walked the planet that never had to start a sentence, I'm not lying? But He did. In fact, if you read the teachings of Jesus, He frequently would say, the King James renders it this way, Verily I say unto you. Which means, I'm not lying. So, what He said was going to be so radical because who's He talking to? Religious people. And he knew what he's getting ready to tell them was going to rattle their cage. So he said, I'm not lying when I say this. He said, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, say the sheep pen, the gate. He said, Anyone else who's come in some other way is a thief and a robber. We've got foreshadowing now as to what his subject matter is. When he said, I've come that you might have life and my life more abundant. He's talking about sheep, a gate, and a pen. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 2. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the what? Now we got a fourth thing. Say four. What's the first one? Sheep. What's the second one? Gate. What's the third one? Pen. What's the fourth one? All right, so we got the four key principles that he's speaking about. This is his subject matter. Everybody get that wave your hand if you got it. I'm looking. Some of y'all aren't waving your hand, so I don't know if you're out of the will of God or you're just... Okay, good. So everybody's got it. Look at the next verse. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to what? And they, he calls out his own... How does he call them? Everybody put your hand up like this. Put your hand up. Put your hands up like this. How many of you, your mother's had to tell you something more than twice? Come on, the rest of y'all lying in church. Don't do that. It's all right. How many of you here, your mother had to tell you your father something more than twice? Yeah, yeah, right. Repetition's the best teacher. Notice Jesus is the shepherd. And Jesus said, "I can call my sheep by name, and what do they do? Everybody, put your hand up. Put your hand up. And lean forward." He said, "I call them by name, and then I lead them out." Go to verse four. He says, "When he has brought out all his own, he goes where ahead of them, and his sheep will what? Why? They know his voice." I was telling them at first. anybody here anybody here raise cattle? Any cattle ranchers here? Eileen, anybody else? (laughs) You have Bob? Uh, You know, if you've ever raised cattle or ever moved cattle, a lot of times you're moving them from one grazing area to another because they'll overgraze an area and make a dust bowl out of it if if you're not careful. How many of you know you've got to get behind them for what a horse is for? And then you've got to, and you can move horses. From behind, excuse me, cattle from behind. Thank you, brother. But how many of you know you don't drive sheep? I mean, if you get behind a bunch of sheep, go. "Ah!" What did he say? I don't know, but it's bad. It's bad. I don't. Thank you. Uh, You don't drive sheep; you lead them. How does the 150th psalm begin? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me. And so the shepherd leads them and they follow Him. And why is it they follow Him? Put your hand up there. They know His voice. Look at the next verse. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from Him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Verse 6. But Jesus used this figure of speech and the Pharisees didn't understand what He was telling them. There have been times I've been preaching, I've been doing this 41 years. All There have been times I've been preaching, I'm looking out there at people and I can tell, you know what they're thinking? Catfish. Some of them are thinking, all we're going to have is potted meat by the time he gets done. Catfish will be gone. And I can tell a lot of times they're not getting it. Even Jesus, who was the truth, who is the way, who is the word. I mean, Pastor Mitch and I may teach you the Word. Jesus is the Word. They still weren't getting it, so he just say, "I'm sorry, it's the best I can do." Y'all on y'all. No, he just backed up and punted and doing it on that again. Look at verse seven. Therefore, Jesus said again, "What were the first two words he said?" Which means what? For real. Which means what? No, for real. Come on, y'all. Went in Rome, y'all, went in Rome. Which means what? For real. real. How many of you asked one word? For real. So what did Jesus say? No, He said very truly. But what does it mean? For real. He said, for real, I'm telling you, I am the gate for the sheep. So there's four words that are in His subject matter here. What's the first one? Sheep. What does sheep have to have? A pen. What's the only way in the pen? And who's the one that leads you in and out? So his subject matter, when he said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, was sheep and shepherds and a sheep pen. Look at verse 8. He said, All who have come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep haven't listened to them. Verse 9. For I am the gate. I know there may be people out there that tell you there are many ways to God. Jesus broke it down. Say, He broke it down. He broke it down and said, I am the gate. There's only one way to get you into the pen of the family of God, and I'm the only gate. Let me hear y'all say, that's what He said. Let me hear everybody over here say, that's what He said. Let me hear y'all. How about over there? How about the sound booth? Everybody in the room? Jesus said, I am the gate. I'm the only gate to get you in the pen. And then he said, verse 10, Lazarus, for the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Here's the deal. If you want to have the abundant life, you have to have a shepherd in your life. Because how many of you understand you're the sheep? Say I'm a sheep. Say it over here. I'm a sheep. Everybody in the room? I am a sheep. And what do sheep have to have? Got to have a shepherd. Y'all ever seen sheep out by themselves? Don't act like you got to think about it. No. You've never been out here on I-40 and said, Look, baby, what is that? It's a sheep all by himself. Got a backpack on. Picking up cans. Y'all ain't never seen a sheep by itself, and you never will. Why? They don't last long. They don't survive. Sheep have to have the herd, the flock, and there's four things they also have to have. You tell me, what are they, church? They have to have a gate. Got to have a pen. And they're the sheep. It's the only way. But there are people... I marvel. I've been around, I was at a horse show one time and there was this man and I started sharing the things of God with him. He was like, ho, ho, settle down, bud. He said, I'm a pastor. So, oh, I said, I didn't know that. that's awesome. He said, well, I'm not pastoring right now. I said, well, I understand. I said, well, where do you go to church? He said, oh, I don't go to church. He said, I don't believe in it. <laughs> he did. I thought he needed one of them hats. That said, I'm a fool. <laughs> I could not be more deceived. But he was totally sincere. How many of you have heard people say, people who claim to be Christians don't believe in church? Well, Jesus said, let me break it down for you. The only way you're getting in the pen is if you come through the gate, and I'm the only gate, and I am a shepherd. You have to have a shepherd. Everybody in the room say it I'm a sheep. I know that. And I need a shepherd. Now, how many of you know when Jesus said He's the shepherd, when the 150th Psalm talks about He's the shepherd, that's a macro truth. That's this huge, large truth. But how many of you know we have a microcosm of that truth all over the world because we have shepherds everywhere. Pastor Mitch just showed you shepherds all over Nicaragua. If you heard what I said, wave your hand. Yeah. How many of you know we have a microcosm of that right here? He is your shepherd. Come up here, brother. Both of you come up here. Ladies and gentlemen, can we please get a nice round of applause for your shepherds here? If you believe this is your church home, this isn't just your next stop on the Meet My Needs tour. How many of y'all ever seen people that were at church and then later you don't see them? And you run into them at Applebee's. You're like, "Where you been?" Felt like we weren't having our needs met. So if this isn't the next stop on your meatman needs to, if you know this is where God planted you and this is your home, this is your pen, I want you to point at them. Point at them. If you don't believe that, don't point because they're looking at you. Point at them. Now say this to them, say, Pastors, we're sheep. And we know that, and we need you. We need you in our lives to lead us, to call us by name. To be our overseers. To feed us well. And we know God's using you. To do just that. That's why we follow you. Everywhere you go. Turn around and look every now and then. Because we're right behind you. Amen. Now let me ask you something. Did I have you say that for them? They knew that about you when you came through the door the first time. Did I have you say it for me? I'm leaving today. <laughs> so wonder whose benefit that was said for? See, here's the deal. When you hear yourself say it, you believe it. I'm up here telling you stuff and y'all could be sitting there going, nah, I don't believe that. I mean he's big and noisy, but I don't know that I believe that. And no doubt pastors telling him this, some of you didn't believe him. I mean it's supposed to be real. But he's never called me and said, Kim, I'm concerned. Why? They don't believe me. And I've never said to him, well, when I was there, I had the sense that they didn't believe me either. <laughs> and yet we both know there's some of you that don't believe us, but we understand why. We're not at odds with it. It's because there's some people that don't believe God. If you don't believe God, I know you're not going to believe me and you're not going to believe Him. <laughs> but there is somebody you always believe. You. Oh, you believe you and you know you're lying. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Don't get spiritual now. Give me that poker face. I don't know what you're talking about. That's why I had you say it. So that your ears heard your mouth say, that's my shepherd. This is my pen. And this is where I belong. Amen. Give them a hand. They did a fine job. <laughs> Now look at verse 11. See, after he said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, he didn't sit down. He kept going. Say it. He said, I am the good shepherd. What do good shepherds do? They lay down. How many you know the Bible says that he leaves the 99 to come find the one? Any of you over here, look at me. You ever get out of line with God? Well, I remember when I was a kid and we would go to, they called it Recess. Now, you're going to have to Google that. What in the world is recess? And we go by a push up. Y'all going to have to Google that too. What in the world? How many of y'all remember a push up? They know. Y'all going, what in the world? A push up. It's a little ice cream thing, it had a stick, and you push it up, it was orange. Uh, now they go, oh, I, yeah. There were, what, a nickel? Weren't there about a nickel? I mean, depending on when you went to school. If you ever left your money in your desk, there's something else, y'all going. What's a desk? But if you ever left your money in a desk, if you, you, you got out of line when you came back, what would the other kids say to you? Go to the back of the line. You got out. Of, go to the back of the line. <laughs> How many of y'all ever tried this? Would you hold my place? Yeah. But that don't always work because then they'll send both of you. both of you go to the back. <laughs> but let me tell you something. If you ever get out of line with God, you know what? He'll never send you to the back of the line. You know what He does? He says, I've been holding your place. Get right back in where you got out. Let me all say, that's good. See, He'll leave the 99 to come find you. Look at me, all of you sitting here. The whole of your life, He'll come find you. When you're in trouble, when you're hurting, He'll find you. No matter what you've done, you're never far away from Him. He'll always come find you. He knows you in ways you don't know yourself let me all say that's good it is good so the scripture says he would lay down his life for the sheep look at the next verse he says now a hired hand is not a shepherd Hmm. and he don't even own the sheep so when the wolf comes what would he do he says I'm out of here y'all they don't pay me enough to deal with wolves wolves are not my job description why did he say this I can tell you this, this was one of the things he knew would offend the Pharisees. Because he said, a hired hand is not a shepherd. Let me hear you say, break it down. Let me break it down for you. Right now, at this moment, there are men and perhaps some women standing behind a pulpit dressed like a shepherd. They're wearing a shepherd's outfit. They drove a shepherd's car. They're being paid as a shepherd. They have a business card that says, you're local shepherd. But The fact is, they're hired hand. How could I say that? Well, I'll tell you how. Because you may ask, how did they get there? You ever had this happen? Somebody said, we got a new preacher. Really? Yeah. Where'd he come from? I don't know. Search committee found him. Can't you hear the committee? He followed us home. Can we keep him? How many know? There's other people say, we got a new preacher? Oh, really? Where'd he come from? I don't know, but he was the best one in tryouts. Come on, y'all. Do I need to say verily unto y'all? How about this one? We got a new preacher. Really? Where'd he come from? I don't know, but he got the most votes. See, if you're talking votes, tryouts, search committees, what you got there is not a shepherd. Jesus said what you got there is what? Hired hand. How many of y'all know this couple isn't here because y'all went and found them somewhere and said, come on, we pick you. How many of you know they didn't stop here just because their car ran out of gas and like, well, I guess this is God's will. God directed them here. The Bible says that the Lord said, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you in wisdom and truth. That's why they're here. Anything else, Hired hand. And you see, here's the deal. You can vote them in, and what happens if you vote them in? How many of y'all have seen that happen? Well, you may be the preacher here, but I didn't vote for you. And I was here before you came, and I'll be here after you leave. And I marvel how many people view the shepherd as a hired hand. Jesus said, let me break it down for you. There's a distinction. Hired hands aren't shepherds. How many of you know hired hands? You tend to do stuff. Now I know your pastors, when they started this church, how long ago did y'all begin this work? 25 years ago. In 25 years, I bet you've cleaned some church toilets, haven't you? Mopped some floors, moved some chairs, vacuumed, done all kinds of things. Y'all ever hear the story about the church that got a new pastor? And the Committee of the concerned went to the new pastor and they said, uh, Pastor, you know, our last pastor, he did all the weed eating, mowing of the yard. He said, that's what I understand. And they said, well, you're not doing it. He said, no, I'm not. And they said, well, our last pastor did. He didn't give, so they walked off and had another meeting. They got together and they came back to him the next Sunday. They said, you know, our last pastor, uh, he would mow the yard and do all the weed eating. He said, I understand that. He said, but I've talked to him and he said he don't want to do it no more. <laughs> How many of you know what we have here in Not Hired Hands? What I had come stand before you are the people God gave you after his own heart. Who know you by name. Who call you by name. Put your hand up there. And you hear them. And you know their voice and you follow him. And that's how you get the more abundant life. The more abundant life Jesus talked about is tied to shepherdship. It's tied to having a sheep pen. And it's tied to the fact that the only way you get in the sheep pen is through the gate. And who did say who did Jesus say he was? The only gate. Let me hear all say he's the only gate. Let's take another run at that. He's the only gate. He's the only gate. He's the only gate. Everybody in the room. I don't care what they tell you on The View. I don't care what NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox News, TBS, and all the other alphabet tell you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and I'm the only gate that gets you in the pen. You want the more abundant life? It's tied to shepherdship. You want the more abundant life? It's tied to the sheep pen. Everybody say it. I'm a sheep. sheep. This This is my pen. That's my shepherd. I'm good to go.